The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm excited. How do you like this weather? What is it? I think we just have bipolar weather. I, I mean, it can't get cold. It can't get hot. And my sinuses are jacked up. I mean, it's just, I'm on some medication, so this could be really fun today, um, or it could be really lame. I don't know. We're just going to get in it and find out, right? Um, but um, I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for celebrating the Advent season with us. And uh, like uh, Pastor Ryan said, if you wouldn't mind filling out one of those guest cards and drop that in the giving station on your way out. Uh, the giving stations are by the back doors. We don't pass a plate, so you can just drop it in there. And then uh, for our church family that's involved, with our foundations. That's the campaign that we did over the last three years that really God worked in us and through us and was incredible with a blessing for us to be able to move into this facility. We're wrapping that campaign up this year. And uh, if you uh, can, are prepared to and ready give an year in, to give a year-end offering, do that by December 31st so you get tax credit for 2015 on that. And uh, you can mail that as long as it's postmarked by December 31st. You can, the easiest way, online. It's quick, easy, do it that way. A couple other things that I want to make you aware of. I shared this last week and uh, this one's kind of a heavy announcement. So I'm going to do the heavy and then I'm going to come in with a fun one. Okay. So the heavy one is this. Um, We are having a church safety meeting January 3rd at 1230 in our Creek Kids room. So that'd be right after the second service. Um, And we are going to talk about our church safety And here's what I want to do. I want to invite you. If you have a CHL, I'm inviting you to that meeting. If you don't have a CHL or don't know what that is, don't worry about it. Um, Most Texans already do. Um, Most Texans are like, you should issue that with a driver's license. But that's, we're not getting any of that. But if that's you, we would love to have you at that safety meeting so we can talk about our safety plans. That's just the reality of the society we live in. Um, in light of the recent events that we've seen in, in, in California and, and uh, even this week, uh, you know, the news in, in Arkansas. So uh, I want you to know that we have sheepdogs. There are some that you see and some that you don't. And uh, we'll actually be sharing some of that safety plan and how that concerns you. Or if you're just concerned about church safety, we invite you to that, to that meeting. It won't be very long. Um, but here's where I got to be. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be your shepherd for a little bit, okay? Okay. Um, if something were to happen uh, in this facility, here's what I need you to do. Get on the floor, stay calm, and know what's going to happen is our sheepdogs are trained, and they will do two things. They're going to take care of the issue, and they're going to make sure that our kids are safe. So parents, I know if something in any crisis, the first thing we think about is our kids. Please know that that is the priority for the sheepdogs. Let's deal with the issue and take care of our kids. So I've just got to say that. That's, I'm sorry, that's heavy. That's just the way our society is. None of us like to think about those things, but, but we do have to consider those things and uh, the safety of our environment. So that was the heavy one. Now let's talk happy. Um, yesterday, your kids went to the nursing home and got to do their Christmas program that they've been working since September. Pastor Tammy was at our house last night. She's like, I, I cannot get these Christmas songs out of my head. She's like, I love Christmas, but my goodness, I'm ready for some other songs. But your kids have been practicing for so long. And next week, they're going, your kids are leading us in worship next Sunday. So it's going to be pretty awesome. So it's, it's the mom and paparazzi weekend. So bring your cameras and all that. Just, just don't get in the way of people worshiping. And, and 
don't get in the way of other parents' cameras. I learned that as a dad. Like, do not mess. You don't mess with a mama bear with her cubs, and you don't get in anybody's camera way when their kids are on stage. I've learned that the hard way. Um, But they are leading us in worship, and it's going to be exciting, so you don't want to miss that. Um, So thank you, parents, and uh, for letting your kids go yesterday to the nursing home. If you don't follow us on Facebook or our uh, pastoral team on Facebook, you need to go to Tammy's, Pastor Tammy, friend her, and watch the video she posted. It was so cool. She said the kids walked in, and they were a little nervous at first, and they like. Almost within minutes, they warmed up and they were letting, letting these senior citizens hug them and love on them. And they were telling them, we love you, Merry Christmas. They were getting their cheeks pinched and everything. And it was awesome. So if you, if you don't follow her, follow her. And she posted a little video. I think it's about 30 seconds, but they had an incredible time. So thank you for letting that happen. Also this week, um, we are delivering the Christmas gifts to Northbrook. Wednesday at 4.30, we're meeting at Northbrook Elementary. So those of you who gave, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for giving and being a part of bringing hope to a family. Uh, there's, there's presents out there. Our green room back here is, is a full. And uh, so we're going to be loading up a trailer and all that stuff on Wednesday. And I think the weather's going to be good. If you uh, have a pickup truck or something or want to help, um, let us know at the Welcome Center. Um, we'll probably meet here much earlier, but we're actually going to meet at Northbrook 430, unload the trailer, and we put the gifts. You saw the video, like all the gifts lined up in the gym. That's what we get to do. And, and I've been asked, can my kids come and help with this? Yes, please. Your kids need to see you serving and your kids need to be a part of this because it impacts your kids. And so yes, please bring them. So um, there's that. And then last thing, if you are a volunteer at the Creek, today at four o'clock, we're having our volunteer Christmas party. Like I told you, we didn't want to create all these things in the calendar for you to figure out what to do and when to do and should we go. We just combined it. So we're doing one volunteer Christmas party today. The staff is putting it together, so it might be chaotic. No, we don't need you to show up early and help. We're doing this for you. So, meh. Um, but you don't want to miss it because um, Heather's like, I've got some fun video stuff that I'm putting together for him and there's a gift that's pretty awesome. So yes. And if you don't volunteer, then you should volunteer so you could come and see a pretty awesome video and get an awesome gift. There's that. I'll guilt you into it later in the message. Okay, Luke chapter two. Uh, if you got your Bible, let's go to Luke chapter two. If you don't own a Bible, we have some on the back tables for you. Um, if this is if it's your first Bible, write your name in it. Make it your own, and then we want you to have access to the Word of God so that you can study it on your own. You can follow along with me, um, make notes in the margins. You can write in your Bible. It's good to make notes and highlights because you come back to that, and you see the faithfulness of God through His Word. So uh, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Heather, my amazingly wonderful wife, read that earlier. I want to read it again to you. Um, and she shared with you the candles. Today's the, the shepherd's candle, and it's also the witnesses. So today we're going to look at some unlikely witnesses and sharing this. And I cannot read this passage of Scripture. I'm sorry. This is where culture does impact me. I cannot read this passage of Scripture without thinking of, of Linus going, lights, please. You know, and so I just, I, that's it. You know, that I associate weird things with Scripture. And so that's one of those. That's this passage. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Yes, I would be afraid too. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men on whom his favor rests. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So they let them know, hey, the angels told us, this is what happened. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. Man, what an incredible night. When you think about that, an incredible night. Because aside from Mary and Joseph, the first people to witness the birth, the birth of Christ were shepherds. And you heard Heather say earlier that they're an unlikely witness. I mean, these shepherds were the bottom rung of the social class. They were outcast. They were considered ceremonially unclean. Their testimony would not be admitted in court because they didn't think they could be reliable enough. I mean, what, I mean just a, it's almost weird how God chose them to be that way because you think that's, that's just unlikely. That's the last person you think God would use for his purpose. And this, this whole idea of unlikely witnesses, I mean, the, the question that, that, I, that I wrestled with is how much do the people around me, I mean, you guys know because I stand here and tell you, but how much do the people around me in my neighborhood when I go to the store, when I'm in traffic, uh, how much do they know that I'm a Christian? How much, am I, am I a likely witness or am I an unlikely witness? Back in my youth ministry days, um, we got called into a school one year. There was a tragedy on the campus and the, the head counselor for the district called eight youth pastors in and said, I want you to be on the campus, create a safe room. And, and she was a Christ follower and she said, look, if the kids want to pray with you, pray with them. They need comfort during this time, so you do what you do, okay? Don't ask questions, do what you do. And so we sat there, and there were kids that, that we'd worked with throughout the day, but in the afternoon, it slowed down, and so eight of us were sitting around these desks going, you know, it's sad it takes a tragedy to get us all together. So we started making the plan that all the youth pastors, all eight of us, and we were going to invite as many as we could, that twice a year, so in the fall and in the spring, we're going to make one community youth. So in the fall and spring, we would teach the same thing. And on Wednesday night, we would teach it. We ordered thousands of t-shirts and gave to our students. And on Thursday morning, our students got to school early. They gathered around the flagpole. So it wasn't just see you at the pole. They did it every Thursday for two months of their school year. And they prayed for their campus. And they prayed for their friends. They prayed for their teachers. They prayed that God would reveal his glory to that campus. So the youth pastors, we would all on Thursdays, we would make the rounds to as many schools as we can. And, you know, we get video, we'd pray with the kids, we'd do some interviews with the kids. But on one particular day, it, it, something happened. And I'm standing at the door of the school, and another youth pastor is standing there who is a very good friend of mine. And we see these kids start coming, they finish praying, and they start walking in to go into class. Well, one, the, the program was called Students of the Way, and so they were wearing T-shirts that said, I'm a part of the way or something like that. I'm in the way or I can't remember what it was. But this one student holds the door open, and another kid walks in, and he goes, you're a Christian? Man, I never knew that. 
And he walked in. Okay, now the truth of an eighth grader, you're like smack in the face. And the youth pastor and I looked at each other we're like, wow. But that begs the question, do the people around us, I mean, we may not wear a t-shirt, but do they know what God's done in our life? Because God has done incredible things in our life. And so we might think that we're an unlikely witness. We might look at these shepherds in scripture and go, you know what? They're disqualified from being a witness for Christ. We might think our past disqualifies us from being a witness for Christ, but that is quite the opposite because that is exactly who Jesus chose to share his birth announcement with first. Jesus relates to shepherds. Jesus relates to people who are on the outside. People relates to those who are lost and broken. Jesus was, uh, he, he didn't really get along with the religious leaders, but he got along with all the sinners, which is, is what we are. So we're not, if you're religious, you're in the wrong place. If you're a sinner, you're in the right place. So, um, but in Luke chapter five, and I'm gonna give you several scriptures, so you might just wanna make some notes. They're gonna put some of these on the screen, but you might wanna make notes and go back and read, read these passages later. They're pretty, pretty telling about Jesus and his association with shepherds. But Luke chapter five, Jesus is eating and drinking with sinners and tax collectors, and he's hanging out with them. And you've got the religious people that are watching all this going on and go, I can't believe that he's hanging out with all these sinners and tax collectors, you know, because they're being religious. Because the religious people of the day, and I know they don't do this today, but back in the day, they watched people and they would say, they're outside of God's grace. Their behavior disqualifies them from the kingdom of God. The religious people looked at shepherds and said, because you are unclean, because you spend your time dealing with all the mess and you're unclean, you are outside the grace of God. And they would look at these tax collectors, and tax collectors weren't people who just collected the bills. I mean, these tax collectors were in the same league as terrorists of the day. And so they would look at these, you're outside the grace of God. They would look at people who had a lifestyle of sin and go, you're outside of the grace of God. I'm so grateful that doesn't happen in religious circles today. But Jesus found himself with the people that the religious people said are outside. And in one particular case, Jesus is calling his disciples to follow him. And one is Levi, who is a tax collector, which got the, you know, that just fired the religious people up. Oh, yes, praise God. But they're like, I can't believe this, man. And Jesus can discern the heart. And he tells them, look, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. I came for those who were broken. I came for these sinners. I came for those who are lost. He says, if you're well, you don't need a doctor. I came for the sick. I came for the broken. I came for the hurting. I came to bring all the people that you declare outside the grace of God, that I'm declaring to them the grace of God is here and you are welcome. Jesus associates with people. Jesus is, is referred to as a shepherd several times in Scripture. I mean, in John 10, he's referred to as the good shepherd. In Hebrews 13, he's the great shepherd. And we start to think about this. You know, the, you know, we see Jesus through the gospels and we think, we see these crowds following him 
And he just should epitomize a leader. I mean, the God of the universe in human form, he's fully God, fully man, just kind of is the example of a leader. I mean, we, we put up great examples of leaders today, right? We look at the physical side, and that's nothing new because when Samuel, when God called Samuel to anoint a king over Israel, he looked at Saul. Remember Saul's qualifications? He was head and shoulders above the rest. He looked the part, he looked like a leader. And he ends up blowing it and they anoint David and God said to Samuel, he said, I look at the heart. You're looking on the outside, but I look at the heart. And we, we tend to personify Jesus as the, uh, the, the really buff, you know, good looking, flowing hair Jesus, you know. I mean, Jesus was a man among boys. I mean, he's a strong man. But let me tell you, there was nothing physically about Jesus that got anything going. Let me, let me read you Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? <clears throat> and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces was despised and we esteemed him not. There was nothing about Jesus' humanity that drew people. It was the deity of Jesus that drew people. I'm sorry, I've got to grab my, my, my warm drink so I don't cough at you all the time. There's nothing about the humanity of Jesus that even draws us today. But it's the presence, it's the power of God that draws us into a relationship. I mean, we see this. I mean, many of you who have started a relationship with Jesus, there's a face that you associate with that invitation to salvation. But it wasn't the face of Jesus that drew you. It was the power of God. And God knows his power. We get to see God's power throughout his word. And I love that Jesus is referred to as a shepherd. Because he said, my birth announcement's going first to the people who are outside of it and not considered good witnesses because I'm a shepherd. Let me read to you some of John 10. John 10 says this. Uh, I'll start verse 11 if you're making notes, but I recommend that you read all of uh, John 10, 1 through I just read John 10 in your quiet time. Just do that. Um, Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, earlier in this passage, this is Jesus speaking. He says that, that the sheep hear my voice and he calls them by name and he leads them out. So we, we see that Jesus says, I am a shepherd that I know my sheep and my sheep know my voice and I will lay down my life for the sheep. You see, a shepherd has really two main responsibilities. Deal with wolves and take care of sheep. They've got to protect the sheep and make sure they're good. And Jesus says, that's my job. 
the greatest enemy that we will ever know, Jesus defeated. Defeated him on the cross. Jesus stepped into hell and took the keys from the enemy. I mean, that's throwing it down as a good shepherd. He also says, the writer of Hebrews says this in his benediction. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, This whole idea of shepherds, what do we learn from shepherds? I mean, we see Jesus is the good shepherd, the great shepherd. And then we see that these these shepherds who are unlikely witnesses get called out to be the witnesses of the birth of Christ. I think the first thing we got to look at that the shepherds did was they received the word of God by faith. See, the angels showed up to the shepherds and said, I have good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Now, that, that event happens, and the shepherds were afraid, which if an angel appeared to me and started giving me some information, I would probably be afraid too. I know you would too. I mean, it's, that would be a scary thing. The first thing out of them, if we see angels in Scripture, sometimes the first, most of the time, the first thing out of their mouth is, fear not, don't be afraid, it's okay. I mean, they would have to, you know, I've got to change your clothes. Here you go. You know, that's, that's how I'd be if an angel showed up for me. But God speaks to us. He speaks through his word. I mean, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Jesus said that my sheep know me. They know my voice and I lead them out. God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Now, when the truth is shared to us, it can be a scary thing. When we're faced with truth, it can be something that causes fear because I talk to people who are in this process of going, I'm almost there about giving my life to Jesus, giving my life to Christ, but I'm worried about some things. Most of the time it's worried about, well, if I give my life to Jesus, what's going to happen to me? If I'm on the edge of faith, what's going to happen if I step into this relationship when we're confronted with truth that affects our lifestyle, that when Jesus calls us to conviction and says, hey, this isn't working out for you, it's a little scary. I've lived that. Heather and I played this game. Where were we five years ago? Where were we 10 years ago? Because I like doing the five-year plan and, you know, I'll follow all that. And so where were we five years ago? Where were we 10 years ago? Where were we 15 years ago? And we're playing this game the other night. 15 years ago right now, Heather and I were not in church. We were nowhere near church. We didn't want to be anywhere near church. As a matter of fact, if you would have mentioned church to me 15 years ago, it probably would not have been a good good conversation. Now, we love Jesus. We're like, we love Jesus, but man, his church is screwed up. And we are. You know, I, I'm, I'm back in, you know, and I'm, I'm part of the problem. I mean, I'm just as messed up as everybody else. We're a mess collectively and individually, and Jesus loves us. But I didn't want to be a part of it. And then someone in my family was like, you really ought to go to church. Well, I really don't want to. Thank you for that advice. But we finally go to a church. 
And I was the, I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm and cynicism, man. And so I could sit there and I picked everything apart. I was like, just, just, and I, Heather, Heather hated it. She's like, I don't even want to, I don't want to go to church with you. I don't want to go to any church. I could find something wrong with every person. Be like, well, that person looks like this person, so I can't think about listening to this person because I think of that person, and I don't want to hear this, and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so finally, we, we find some place, and I was like, this will do. I mean, I wasn't sold. I was like, this will do. All right, okay. My kids love it. So uh, they asked me to get involved. I start uh, reluctantly after three months, get involved. And then it starts progressing. And then there's this point. I mean, things were good. I was in the corporate world. Things were good. Heather and I were fine. And then all of a sudden, I feel something inside going, God, God's going, hey, I, I, I really want you in full-time ministry. And I was wrestling with this internally. I was like, God, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> That's scary stuff. You want me to walk away from my job? You want me to go back to school? God, you see everything that we've got to cover, Right? And so really for two months, I wrestled with this. I didn't tell anybody. And I was like, God, if this is you, you're going to have to say it. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I was like, God, you're going to have to say it. God didn't say it, but he said it through my wife. Because two months later, we're watching TV. Scariest moment for a guy when the wife turns the TV off and says, honey, we got to (laughs) talk. Okay. About us. You have my attention. She said, I've been praying for you, and this is going to sound crazy, Matt, but I feel like God's calling you to leave your job and go into full-time ministry, but you got to go back to school to make, and and I'm like, what? (laughs) She's like, fear not. I was like, I'm going to go change clothes. (laughs) Six months later, I resigned from my job, started a full load in seminary, and went on staff at a church. Thought I'd be at that church till I retired. 2009, Heather and I start feeling this stirring. And God leads us through a process that says, I want you to launch a church. I'm like, I, God, I, I don't think I can do that. Now, let me, let me tell you something. When God calls you to do something, when he speaks his truth into your life, he is always calling you to something outside of yourself. Because I kept saying, God, I can't do that. I don't think that that's what I'm called to do. And God says, you can't do it, but I can through you. And I'm telling you that when the word of God is given to us, that it can be scary. That there are things that that creates unknowns on what's going to happen. I remember I was not a giver. I was like, I'm not giving my money to church. I'd seen enough TV preachers that I'm like, I'm not doing this. And I was... Never, that's baggage, counseling, coming in, bring it in. <laughs> but a lot of us wrestle. So God, if I'm going to be obedient and give to church and to charity, is there going to be enough for me? I can only tell you my story, that God has always been faithful to Heather and I. Even when there was no paycheck coming in, God has always been faithful to Heather and I. When I'm praying at night, God, you called me to start this church and we're not making a living. 
and I'm having to make a decision here on some things about, you know, groceries versus other things. And, and God just says, I have you in the palm of my hand. I've learned that, that he's just faithful. And when we receive it by faith, he honors that. And all I can do is share with you as a witness, I'm just a shepherd. I can tell you what I saw and what I heard and what I experienced. The next thing they have to do, so when you receive it by faith, genuine faith is characterized by active obedience. The active obedience, we actually do something. We, we move on it. See, the, the angels talk about this. They said, born to you today in the city of David is a savior. And so what do the shepherds do? Let's go see this. Active obedience of a shepherd. Jesus, I laid down my life for the sheep. Active obedience. It's difficult to walk in obedience. It's hard work. Because you think about the shepherds. Okay, track with me for a minute. The shepherds see the angels and they're like, that's great news. Let's go to Bethlehem. It's not as though the angels could, or the, the shepherds could just say, see you sheep, we're gone. We'll be back in a little while. You remember that moment, parents, when you could leave your kids alone? Like you could leave the house and your kids would be there by themselves and you'd come back and it'd still be in one piece? Those were, oh my gosh, that's like freedom. That, I mean, you can date again. You're like, hey kids, we'll see you. Bye. And, but then you lay down the law. But if I come back... And you guys have been fighting. If I get a phone call about you guys fighting, if I get a phone call, there better be an emergency. Not she's picking on you and you don't like this and you won't get to watch this and you want to watch this and you want to, you know what I'm talking about. So the shepherds couldn't do that. They couldn't say, all right, sheep, we'll go into Bethlehem, but you you better behave. Because if I come back and get a bad report, I'm bringing the staff, the whole, the the crooked end too. You're going to get it. No, they had to make arrangements. They had to find somebody else to watch their flock so they could make the journey. And it wasn't as, hey, let's go. They didn't have Siri to go, here's Jesus. All they got from the angels, like, it's in Bethlehem. He's in a manger and you'll find him in in swaddling cloths. Anybody for a scavenger hunt? You know, let's go find Jesus. I mean, isn't that fun? That's kind of how we spend most of our life, right? I need to find Jesus. All I've got to go on is this. Obedience takes work. And when they find Jesus, they find themselves in the presence of the great shepherd who is also the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They found the one. Another time Jesus is is referred to with being a shepherd is in Luke 15 when the religious people are getting on him again. Um, But he says, hey, suppose you guys had a flock of sheep. There was a hundred sheep. And one goes missing. Who among you wouldn't leave the 99 and go find the one? Now, remember, it takes work to go find the one because you've got, hey, I need you to watch my 99 because I've got to go after that one that's lost. It doesn't mean the shepherd doesn't care about the 99, but the shepherd knows one is lost and he's going to go find it. And then he says, and when you find it, you throw it over your shoulder And you return rejoicing. And then you call your friends together and say, hey, hey, the sheep that I had that was lost, I found it. It's back. And Jesus says, so it is in the presence of God, in the presence of angels, that Jesus says, 
I care and I love the 99. But I've got one that's lost. And he goes, he picks us up. He picks us up. He puts us on his shoulders and he comes back rejoicing. And in the presence of angels, he says, rejoice with me because one that was lost is now home, is now found. That's the shepherd I can follow. That's the shepherd I can submit my life to. That when I was lost, he came for me. He walked in obedience for me. And so I will walk in obedience for him. Obedience is difficult, but it is always worth it. Because obedience to God guarantees this, the spreading of God's glory throughout the world. What did the angel say? For all people. This birth announcement from the angel really foreshadows that Jesus for, and Christianity and the Savior wasn't just for Bethlehem, that the gospel wasn't just for Jerusalem, that the gospel was for all people. And God in his sovereignty and his plan knew that it was going to be through a birth in Bethlehem and through a cross that all people can be saved. That's obedience. So what does it mean? What's the next step? Obedience calls us to be witnesses of all we've experienced. What happened after the shepherds found Jesus? Man, they, they, they told Mary, hey, an angel told us to come. And everyone wondered at it. Like, okay, so you've got these shepherds. Did they really see an angel? Because their testimony was often refuted. Did they really see an angel? I mean, okay, what were you guys drinking out in the field? I know it's cold. What's going on? But they share with them the news of the angel. They said, look, we had to come and see Jesus. We had to come and see the great shepherd who is the Lamb of God. But then they go back and they tell everyone what they had experienced. You know, what's interesting, it was the Shepherds that, that walked away from one job, that came back to the same job, but they were different men. They had an experience that changed everything. So my, my question is, for those of you who have given your life to Christ, is there a difference from your BC days and now? BC before Christ. For you before Christ, is there a difference? You might have the same job, but how do your experiences change that job? Because Jesus may not be calling you out of your job. He's calling you out of being lost. He's calling you out of darkness. He's calling you out of death, into a relationship with him, into life, into salvation. But he may not be calling you out of your job because you may be the one that he's placed there that says, now, with your experience, I want you to be witnesses to those people you work with. And let me help you with something. Witness is not, this is not witnessing in the workplace. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? If you don't, before you go into that staff meeting, you, let's get, I'm going to take you through Romans right now. We're going to do the Romans road, and you're going to give your life to Christ right now. Okay. First of all, people will avoid you. <laughs> and then by the afternoon, you will be in HR. <laughs> and then by 4.30, you're calling me, Matt, I need you to pray for me. I got to find a job. <laughs> so what happened to the one you had? I was being a witness. That's not a witness. What, what's the process here? Process of being a witness. And we can't process everything because God does however he wants to do it. But God gives you a word by faith. You have to receive it. Like, hey, that person that's maybe in the next cube over, they just need somebody to love on them. 
So then you walk in active obedience. And then you pray, God, help me to be a witness. Help me to, when they ask, because my life should reflect. So if I say I'm a Christian, they should, shouldn't go, man, I didn't see that one coming. But when they ask, let me be faithful to share everything I've seen, I've heard, and I've experienced. That's what a witness does. You see, if, I, if I'm called to a trial to be a witness, they're going to ask me, what did you see? What did you hear? What did you experience? Not what do you feel should happen. And they don't look at me to be accountable for the outcome of the trial. See, when you're a witness for Jesus, when you share what he's done in your life and who you were and who you are, you are not accountable for that person to receive Jesus. You don't have to take the responsibility of those results on. Jesus handles that. Your responsibility is, here's what I experienced. This is who I was. For the shepherds, I was out in the field tending my flocks and an angel showed up and said, my Savior's been born. So I went to find him and I found him. And now everything I'm about is about the glory of God because I've experienced Jesus. That was their story. They weren't responsible for saving all of the shepherds. God's big enough to handle that. He says, you just tell them what I've done in your life. Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1.8 that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. You and I are all the earth. And there are people in our neighborhoods, people in our community, people in our workplaces, people in our schools that are lost And they need our testimony. They need us to be witnesses of God's goodness, his grace, and his mercy. Advent is a reminder to us that Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. And you and I, every one of us, were lost before Christ. That there is no one righteous, not one among us. Our righteousness only comes through Jesus Christ. Not religion, but a relationship with him. Christmas season is a reminder that we have a shepherd who is the lamb of God that says, my people are lost and I'm going to carry them home one by one. And I don't know what you're wrestling with. Maybe you're wrestling with faith. Maybe it's, maybe it's that faith of that decision of, can I trust God? Can I put my life in God's hands? Maybe, maybe you feel like your past disqualifies you from being a witness, or your past disqualifies you from the grace of God. Maybe you've had people tell you you're outside of the grace of God, and I'm here to tell you that's not the truth. The truth of God is all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. His grace is for all People, if it were not so, the angels wouldn't have said it, and Jesus doesn't toy with our emotions. Or maybe you're wrestling with obedience. God, I feel, I hear you, but I don't know if I can do that. I can tell you from experience, it is more dangerous to sit in disobedience than to walk in obedience. And maybe you're wrestling with, how do I be a witness? I mean, maybe, maybe you've been the overzealous one and turned people off. Maybe you need to go apologize to those people. Or maybe it's a real reflection of, man, is the life that I live before people that they see, if, they, if I were to say I'm a Christian, where well, they go, man, I didn't see that coming. 
Or would they say, you know what, I see that. Not perfection in your life, but I see a genuine love for Jesus. Let me, let me tell you something. These ideas of faith and obedience and being a witness, God is faithful in our obedience even when it doesn't go our way. Look at the Apostle Paul. who was just fine. He gives his life to Christ. He becomes a witness and he's walking in obedience and he says, look, um, I've been through shipwrecks. I've been through beatings. I've been stoned. I've been left for dead. I've been hungry. I've been naked. But you know what? The gospel of Christ is still the best thing that's ever happened to me because it means that I am on Jesus' shoulders and he has found me and he has brought me into his flock and he will see me safely home. So, I stand before you today, not as a pastor, but as a witness of God's goodness and his grace in my life. And I can just tell you what I've experienced, that the good news of great joy is for all people, and it has radically transformed my life. And that truth has been spoken this morning, and it's your decision what you're going to do with it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you were willing to step out of the glory of heaven and the perfection of the throne of God and humble yourself to be placed in a manger so that you would grow and live and die for our sins. And I thank you for the power of God that called you from the tomb that you are alive and that you are now seated at the right hand of the Father. And I thank you that your presence has been made known in our lives. None of us have, I have never and probably none of us have never had an angel come before us and share with us the gospel. But every one of us this morning have heard the gospel. So I pray that you give us the courage to act on it. Thank you for being the great shepherd that will seek us out and save us when we're lost. Thank you for being the Lamb of God who was the sacrifice for our sin. We ask you to help us in our faith and help us in our obedience and help us to be salt and light and to be effective witnesses of your truth and your transformation in our life. That we were once dead and now we're alive. And Father, if you're calling any of us this morning from death to life, I pray for you to give the courage to put that faith and trust and the first step of obedience to say, Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life. I'm lost without you. And I thank you, Jesus, that in that moment you pick us up and you save us and you call us to walk in obedience. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our last thing that we want to do, and before I do this, I want to tell you that our prayer
prayer workers are going to be at this altar and it is open. If you need help, if you need prayer for anything going on in your life, please do not miss this opportunity. If today was a day that you said, you know what, Jesus saved me, then I want you to come and talk to one of our prayer workers and say, I don't want to do this alone because we're going to walk with you. And we want to help you grow in this. But the last thing that I want us to do before we leave is this will be our benediction. I want you to, everyone stand. And they're going to put this on the screen. I want us to read together Psalm 23. Y'all ready? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. God bless you guys. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.